Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you listen to this podcast. I am Sherry Dodderer of The Writing Glitch. Hacking dysgraphia, no pencil required. I am here today with Jennifer King. Jennifer King is the founder and executive director of Dysgraphia Life out of Washington, D.C. She advocates on the Hill to help those legislators understand about this disability. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. It has been a long time coming to have you here. Thanks. It's nice talking to you, Sherry. I want to ask you a question. How are you really? (laughs) I'm good. We are, I'm a little too busy, but that's a good problem to have right? We're excited to see a lot of awareness of dysgraphia life and dysgraphia in general growing. A lot of exciting things happening and that makes me and our team behind me busy, but excited. Fantastic. Before we talk a little bit, I would like to introduce our sponsor, Today, our sponsor is Dutter Educational Consulting. We hack dysgraphia from the inside out. Our mission is to help teachers, therapists, parents raise the next generation of leaders by hacking barriers to writing success. I'd like you to join me on July 19th at the Summer Dyslexia Institute in Plano, Texas. You can get information on the Region 10 website from the Extended School Center down in Texas about where I will be. But I am speaking on the Wednesday of their conference. And I would love to meet you. If you are in Texas, please let me know because I'm probably going to be there a few days. So maybe not directly in the Institute, but maybe we can hook up and have a cup of coffee at some point around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Jen. Yes. Tell me, how did we meet? I actually found you. For those who know high level my story, I'm a parent as well as a assistant and advocate in another field. And I was originally looking for dysgraphia information and having trouble finding it for, in my role as a parent. I started doing all my homework. I'm a scientist. And one of the people I kept coming across was you, as at the time you were branded as being the dysgraphia consultant. Very few people were using dysgraphia as a term. Very few people were talking about it. I was really very excited to find any information. I have a copy of your book. (laughs) I was reading everything that I could find at the time. And once I started Dysgraphia Life, one of the things that we have is a free expert webinar series where we have really heard from experts from many different fields, everything from OT to cognitive science to educators, parents. We lived experience from many different parts of the dysgraphia world. And you were my, I believe, second guest 
for a second expert webinar. I reached out and invited you and thankfully you said yes. <laughs> and that was that's a bit of history because now we periodically collaborate on stuff and it's great to be part of the movement that is really making sure that there is much more dysgraphic awareness out there and that students and adults who have trouble with writing are getting the help and support that they need. Yeah, I remember that day, that interview or that webinar that I gave. One, I was not at home. I was across the country in a different time zone and my brain was not making the connections. I think I was a few minutes late getting online because my brain was not connected to that trip that I took. I don't know if you recall this, but my father-in-law passed away while I was away on that trip. Oh, no, I did not realize that piece of it. I do remember being stressed because I could see the numbers of people online ticking up and you weren't on yet. And I was like, oh, please let this happen because I don't want to have to come out and be like, sorry, (laughs) but you made it. (laughs) It was excellent. People liked it. It worked out in the end. (laughs) And I was very frank on that, on that, uh, what I was sharing. I was like, I am sorry. I am not at home. I'm in a hotel room. I hope this comes through. And I just ran down the hall to make sure that I was here. And oh, and I kept coughing, I remember. <laughs> it, my asthma was kicking up. That's a little bit of history, but that's not really why we're here. But fast forward a little bit. You reached back out to me maybe six, seven months later, and you were asking me if I would share the people that have graduated from my program and you were going to include them on a list that you were generating. Could you tell us more about that list? Absolutely. We have what we call our professionals database as one of the resources on our site. And our site really, I will say, is driven by need. When we start to get emails requesting things, how do I find this? What do I do? Uh, Emails from different people in our community, that often is what sparks ideas behind the scenes where we say, could we do this? How do we do that? How do we fix this problem? I'm a problem solver at heart. The most common email we've ever gotten looks something like, dear Dysgraphia Life, I'm a parent in this city and I have a child who has these Dysgraphia-related issues and I'm looking for a specialist. Could you connect me? And so we were getting some version of that email regularly and decided, you know, we really need to figure out how to start to connect people because there are great specialists and professionals out there. And then there are so many people in need. And when you get thrown into this and are just trying to figure it out, either for yourself or your child, a lot of times you don't know who to go to and where to start. We created what we call our professionals database. You can find it right on www.dysgraphia.life under the resource tab. And within that section, professionals such as yourself and people who have graduated from your training, we now have that as one of the checkboxes of qualifications you can say, fill out a short form to say, this is why I consider myself a dysgraphia professional. We have OT, we have psychologists, we have tutors, we have lots of different categories we don't have your category, you can email us and we can figure out if we can add it. We try to keep up. 
But what we do is we collect basic information, review it at a very high level. I will say we don't certify people. We don't like really hunt down if they're legitimate, but we double check websites and things like that to make sure that they seem like they're a legitimate business who specializes in people who have differences in written expression and could potentially help them. We put them into the database. As a parent or as a person looking for help, you can go to the database and search by either, you can either look at everybody, you can start with specific, I'm just looking for a tutor and look through and find information about how to contact them. Everybody gets to write a little blurb about who they are and what they do, check off certain boxes about qualifications and specialties geographic region. There's a little Google Maps of where they are. All that kind of information to help give you hopefully some options. And in this day and age, more and more people are saying they can do things virtually and you can connect with them anywhere. That's nice to see too, that it isn't totally geographically bound, that there are more virtual options than ever before in our post-COVID era. Yes. You delved into the research and the data and mining and really helped generate this list. And I'm so grateful for that. And as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going, oh, yeah, I think I need to, yeah, I need to give you some more names. I'm thinking I have some more graduates that you don't have their names. I wrote a note to myself as one on my to-do list of sending you some more names and connecting you with them. So for those of you who are my graduates that are listening and you're going, I didn't know anything about this. It's on me. (laughs) It's because I didn't forward the information to either of you. I will take care of that sometime by the end of May. (laughs) When this, by the time this thing releases, hopefully you won't have that question. (laughs) And if you are a graduate who didn't get it or not even a graduate and you feel like you want to be listed, you can just go to the website and fill out the contact form and we will, we add listings all the time because we feel like there are more people out there who need some sort of help in some area than can find that help. We're trying to put together a a pretty, it's medium size at the moment, but growing and growing to try to make sure we help as many people as possible. Amazing. Now, let me shift a little bit because you had talked to me right before we started the the recording today that you're just also working on a different research project, but it's all about dysgraphia. Tell us a little bit about this research that you're starting and launching. And I'm not exactly sure what that means, but tell me more about this research. We have two. I'll talk to them about two new ones that I'm super excited about. I could talk about for days, but we'll not. We'll be fairly brief. The first really exciting announcement we made back in January is that we actually received funding from a governmentally funded entity called the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, CORI. And what that is, it's called a Capacity Building Award. The application that we put in said, right now, In the dysgraphia community, we do not have enough research, as I think many people would agree with. There is not enough research. And PCORI funds what they call PCORC, Patient-Centered Outcomes Research slash Comparative Effectiveness Research. I'll explain what that is. But basically, what they really like to see 
is that researchers are not coming in saying, we're the expert scientists. We are going to research on what's best for you and give it to you. They like to see people who are affected by whatever the condition may be, who are either living with it, our caregivers, our clinicians, our whomever, involved in the entire research process. How did they help get to come up with the questions that would be important? How do they help the researchers ask the questions? And then how do they help use the information once it's figured out to improve day-to-day life? They want to see this sort of holistic, they call it patient-centered, but really person-driven, person with lived experience driving the research. That is what our award is all about. It's to start to provide some training, to go out and talk about research, to say, we really want to get people with dysgraphia involved in research, helping researchers say, here's what the questions are, helping understand how you could be part of a team, or you could do surveys, you could participate, or you could be part of a study. What does that look like? All this year, we're going to be putting out opportunities to talk about research and how can we answer questions? How can we get people more engaged? And then as we go into 2024, we're going to be putting together a priority list of what are the things that need to be studied in dysgraphia and getting everybody's feedback to try to put together a research prioritization list for dysgraphia by the end of next year that then can be sent out to researchers and can be we can work with them to say, here's the needs. Now, how do we address them? I'm so excited about this. <laughs> you have taken an idea that has been mulling around in my head and you're actually applying it. So kudos. I am absolutely excited. Please keep me in the loop because I would like to share in that. I have a connection to Virginia Berenger, if you know that name. Yes, um, I have. I figured you might know that name. I don't know if you know her, but I do have a connection with her. If you need to have a more direct connection, let me know. Because she pioneers a lot of the research on dyslexia. We need to get her involved in this research on dysgraphia too. Absolutely. I would be happy and follow up with you about that connection. And we have been building, we have a great stakeholder advisory board or research advisory board that's multifaceted. It has adults with dysgraphia, it has parents, and then it also has cognitive science researchers and educators and uh, occupational therapy. We have a lot of different areas that are going to help advise on this project. We've had one meeting so far. We're excited about trying to get everyone involved. That's the goal is to, we should all be figuring out what's needed and what's important together. And then selfishly, what I'd like to see come out of it is once we have a prioritized list of research topics, I want us to go back and ask for more money to do that research. Pecori funds this comparative effectiveness research. That's basically comparing one one sort of intervention against another to decide what's best for a certain group of people. There's a lot of things that are being used throughout learning disabilities or particularly with dysgraphia that really aren't that well tested or 
or compared as to what's the best methods to be able to get some funding for this kind of rigorous person-centered comparisons of should we be doing this or should we be doing that could really move the field forward in a hugely meaningful way. We're so excited about that. Keep this in mind. I have three research projects mulling in my head of (laughs) things that need to be done that I've been doing some action research on. And I'm seeing results. But to have a formal research project would absolutely make my day because I really, at this point in my life, don't want to take the time and go back to school and spend the last couple of years that I can be working before I retire in a PhD program. (laughs) (laughs) And you shouldn't need to, right? Like you should be able to take your experience and bring it into a project and complement with other people's experience. Yes. I love the passion and the connections with these 20, 30 year olds and really helping them experience life. I always am interested in partnering with universities, but not being the direct researcher in the projects. Keep that in mind because I have seen some stuff with bilateral integration that and crossing midline that has been really interesting. The way the way it's moving and what I'm what results I'm seeing by it. It's been very interesting and very amazing. Very I've actually discovered three kinds of bilateral integration. Yeah. And we'll have to learn more about that. That sounds fascinating. Yes. And then the other piece of what we're doing is we're creating a registry. For those who don't know what that is, which is usually most people outside of the science world, it's the concept of a patient registry. We realize that in our community, we don't generally call everyone patients, but it's people who are living with a condition you want to describe better. In this case, we want to describe dysgraphia better, but it will allow adults who have learning disability, written expression, dysgraphia, as well as parents of kids with it to join this platform and then essentially answer surveys to donate data in a much more rigorous, systematized way. So we can ask every year, we can go in and say, what's your school situation now? And what are you doing? And what are you, what types of interventions and accommodations are you using? And follow people over time to really understand what does that full journey look like? What's working for people? What's not working for people? And that will help give us some of that kind of real world data that can feed some of the research studies. Seems like this is working well. Let's test it. Those are our two parallel efforts we're hoping. We're dealing with protocols and ethics committees and all that kind of stuff, but we're hoping that the registry will be open this summer. So Maybe by the time this podcast is out, you can find it, <laughs> but if not very soon, and we, it's a huge priority for me. I love this type of work. I've done it in oncology in the past, not in the learning disability community, but I think it's so important to have people involved. And even as a scientist, I say, not just the scientist thinking about the problem. You need that lived experience piece as well. We can then prove that one out of every three people, that's right, one out of every three people has dysgraphia. And you're right. The numbers on that are terrible. Like references on numbers, they're different. How did they count? What did they count? It's terrible. It would be great to have some more systematic data to look at things like that. 
amazing. Now, we're getting close to the end of the episode, and I like to do an intervention and share something that is helping kids. And I've been mentioning the bilateral integration. And I want to explain that a little bit further, just so that you have some understanding and takeaway. Some of the people who have listened to other episodes may have heard some of this before, but I also want to go a little bit deeper into what are some of those interventions that I like to target. And then after I am share, share that a little bit, I'd love to, for you to share a freebie. So keep that in mind as I'm talking. The intervention I mentioned about the bilateral, what I've discovered is that there is asymmetrical, symmetrical, and interlaced. Asymmetrical is when one hand's doing one thing and the other hand's doing the other. And what I mean by that is one hand's holding a pencil and the other hand's holding the paper. They need both hands to do the task, but the task is not the same. It's kind of also like doing a zipper. It's asymmetrical. One's pulling the zipper. The other one is holding the bottom to make sure that the zipper doesn't shift out of place. That's asymmetrical. Symmetrical is when both sides of the body are doing the same thing. Do you ever play that game that has a football on a string? I don't even remember the name of it, where you pull the string apart and this foot quasi-football slides to the other end and then the other person at the other end pulls their arms apart and then this thing comes back. Have you ever done a game like that? Okay. Jen's shaking her head yes. It didn't get recorded, but she's shaking her head yes. Because you're, both sides of your body are basically doing the same motion, that's symmetrical. Another way of describing a symmetrical is a lot of the brain gym activities where you're doing parallel work, where maybe a lazy eight where you're moving your hands in that position. Thinking about the idea where both hands are doing the exact same activity is symmetrical. What happens with both of those is one side of the brain, the opposite side from where your what hand it is. Your left hand is doing one thing. Your right side of the brain is getting strengthened by what you're doing with that hand. What you're doing with the right hand, the left side of the brain is getting strengthened. These kids with dysgraphia have this disconnect between what they remember in the right side of the brain and what they remember on the left side of the brain. And I kept going, how do we get the connection to go across the brain? And we need both sides of the brain doing things at the same time and doing it cross midline. How do we do that? We have to interlace our hands. One of the things about interlacing is you can't interlace and imitate writing with your palms together. Something that you do with your palms together, like you're praying, is not going to be effective and translate into writing. You need to have your palms away from you. You interlace one hand behind the other. One palm is touching the back of the other hand. And then you can simulate letters or sentences. I don't go as far as sentences. I go as far as words. And I will target ones that kids are struggling with. If a kid is struggling with 
let's go with bed for an, an example because a lot of kids are struggling with B and D. There's those strategies that are similar and symmetrical where you put your thumb up and then and your thumb up on your other hand, you put them together and the B and the D make the bed. If we actually interlace our hands and wrote out the word bed, we're getting both sides of the brains to be reinforced together and they're doing the exact same task at the exact same time and we're forcing crossing midline, forcing the corpus callosum to work on both sides of the brain and get both sides to improve memory. And what we're finding is that kids are recalling sight words better. They're recalling those struggling letters a little bit better. Now, there's other techniques that I use, but that is one, since I mentioned it earlier, I wanted to share with you. That's so interesting. And I would love to be able (laughs) to put that in a research project. Yes. I can totally see that. That's what I was saying about we haven't tested all these interventions against each other. We're trying so many things and it's great and people are making progress, but it'd be great to have stuff that we said was we tried this and we tried this. We tested them against each other. And this is the clear winners. People should be doing that. We need more of that kind of science. Yeah. And I do believe that the research in the science of reading is a good foundation to the science of writing. But there are different things that we need to do with writing that you don't do with reading. There needs to be more research. Thank you, Jen, for doing what you're doing. You are fulfilling my little bit of a dream, but it's okay because I have got enough going on on, on my end and what tasks that, that I'm accomplishing at this point in time. Maybe you're fulfilling that part of my legacy is we're making that connection. We can all so, make it happen together. Yeah, that's the way God is. We God puts us together for a reason. Now, what kind of free offers do you have to share with the audience? Most of what's on our website is free. I'm going to really point people back there, which is www.dysgraphia.life. Pretty easy. But what we talked about today, I think, is one of multiple things to highlight, which is that professionals database. It is entirely free. It's free for professionals to join right now. We've talked about maybe someday if it gets too big, we might have to charge on the professional side, but we're not there yet. It's totally free. Go join. It's a, The plan is for it to always be free for people in need, for parents and kids who are looking for support and looking for help, it will always for sure be free to search to help find a professional that will help you. So go check it out, make your profile, search for someone. That's a great thing to do. There's also a lot of good education and information up there, as well as some references to the research projects that I talked about today. Website, easy to find. Fabulous. I'm just going to have to take a ride down to the hill and find you down there at lobbying, won't I? Not real lobbying. Nonprofits can't lobby. (laughs) There we go. Making sure that we're clear on that. Advocacy. One thing that I have done this past year is I have made a donation to the International Dyslexia Association based on the people that took an upsell last year to my purchase my book. If you purchase my book online on sherrydotterer.com and you upsell, I don't advertise it, 
But what I've chosen to do this year is send out kudos to the people that actually took that upsell. And I'm taking that difference between the two costs and I am donating that those funds to the International Dyslexia Association, Pennsylvania branch, since I'm in Pennsylvania. And the names of those folks are Jennifer Griffin, Chris Hill, Julia Dunlap, Meredith Forster, Maruza Murphy, Zara Young, Melissa Haberer, MC Paul, and Patricia Keenan. Thank you to those folks for purchasing the book and thank you for asking me to sign it. What you didn't know at the time when you were asking was that I was planning on doing that. And my plan is to continue to donate to different organizations. Does Dysgraphia Life have a place to donate? We do. There is a donate button on the website. Maybe you'll have to get the the funds for another year. We'll see how things go this year and what, and maybe I need to split. We'll see. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Every nonprofit needs to have its say in in this world of dyscrepia, dyslexia, and dyscalculia. I have a favor. Could you guys write a review for this podcast? Let Jen know what you thought of the information that she's sharing. Let the other speakers know, the other guests know what you thought of their episode so that we can really let Apple know that dysgraphia is an issue. Let Spotify know that dysgraphia is an issue. Our podcast releases on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. Listening to previous episodes, you can go to thewritingglitch.com. If you're actually on sherry.or.com, there is a link to the Writing Glitch podcast website as well. Remember, you were put here for such a time as this. Podcast post-production is managed by Sam C. Productions. Jen, it was wonderful to have you here. Thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you for the advocacy that you're doing. Forgive me, it wasn't really lobbying, it's advocacy. Making sure that I am clear on the terminology. (laughs) Do you have anything that you want to say before we go? No, just thank you so much for having me. takes a village to get any of this done. And it's so great to see expanding voices in the discussion of dysgraphia awareness. And thanks for being one of the first. As I said, you were one of the first people I found when I needed help. And we appreciate that. And Dysgraphia Life hopes we can be one of those resources for people in the future. Thank you for hosting. Thank you. And you're right. I don't remember anybody else that I could find online when I started this project. (laughs) 